Welcome everyone to Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Deakin's International Women's Day 2022 podcast. Firstly, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are today, the Wadawurrung people. I'd like to acknowledge their elders past, present and emerging and thank them for their care of the lands and waterways. I'd also like to acknowledge the Wadawurrung women past and present and thank them for their contribution and commitment to country and community. Thank you to our listeners for joining us to celebrate International Women's Day 2022. This year for International Women's Day, the United Nations theme is Gender Equality Today for a Sustainable Tomorrow. Today we have two exceptional women joining us to share their experience as women working in STEM and particularly their work to secure a sustainable future. Dr Lisa Mills is an environmental engineer, occupational hygienist, mother of two and a keen traveller. Lisa grew up along Victoria's Great Ocean Road and spent much of her time immersed in nature. This childhood fostered a passion for conservation and the environment, eventually leading Lisa to turn this passion into a career. She has 20 years experience in the mining, power generation and consulting industries and is currently the Environment and Sustainability Manager at Geelong Port, where she is working to ensure the port achieves its vision to become Australia's most sustainable bulk port. Lisa is the first female engineer to be employed at the port in its 150-year history and is keen to promote gender equity and encourage and retain women into STEM roles. Lisa enjoys collecting university degrees, with three of her four being from Deakin, and she has just completed her fourth, a Master's in Occupational Hygiene and Toxicology. Lisa happily describes herself as a proud nerd, and Deakin is very proud to claim her as one of our own. Rosie Henderson is a final year student at Deakin University, pursuing a degree in environmental engineering. In her studies, Rosie has gained knowledge in waste management and water engineering, as well as remediation practices. Rosie is a recipient of Deakin's Ignited Scholarship and is also a lead committee member, Ladies in Engineering at Deakin, a networking program that supports women in STEM study professionally and socially. In her spare time, Rosie is an avid reader and also spends time in nature. So Lisa, as a woman working in STEM, we would love to hear a bit about yourself and how you came to be working in the field. Thanks, Lisa. Well, as you mentioned in my bio, um, I spent a lot of my childhood down the Great Ocean Road and I spent every weekend of my childhood in the ocean in the beautiful seaside town of Lawn. I swam, I fished, I surfed. And when I was a teenager, I became aware of pollution that was impacting my beautiful Lawn Beach. And under easterly wind conditions, sewage effluent containing sanitary products and other waste would be washed ashore onto the lawn beach. And I was repulsed by it. I investigated further and I learned that lawn did not have a sewage treatment plant and raw effluent was discharged into the ocean. And so that led me to study environmental engineering at Deakin, majoring in wastewater treatment. And I guess in my mind, I thought if I had those skills, I'd be able to save some other town from swimming in that pollution that I despised in my beautiful Lawn Beach. And so my undergraduate degree was a double degree in chemical science and environmental engineering. And then I went on to study a PhD at, at Deakin. And so my love of STEM, and as you described, I am a proud nerd and I do love STEM. It's led me to have a really varied career across mining, power generation, smelting, across um, the environmental discipline, as well as the hygiene discipline. 
And yeah, as you mentioned, I'm now leading the environment and sustainability team at Geelong Port to become Australia's most sustainable bulk port, which is a really um, significant objective to be working towards, but um, I'm really proud to be leading the team. Fantastic. So Lisa, have you ever experienced any challenges or barriers to your work or study in STEM and what were they? So I guess I've been pretty lucky in my work and study and I haven't faced many of the issues that some of my colleagues may have, such as discrimination or harassment. But I guess for me, the biggest challenge has been a lack of visible female role models. And I'm probably showing my age by saying this, but I was in the first intake of students into the brand new environmental engineering degree at Deakin back in 1994. And at that time, environmental engineering was a relatively new discipline and there weren't many senior women who were environmental engineers or any type of engineer really. And so I guess I felt I didn't really have anyone to help mentor me and guide my career. I've had some really supportive male managers through my career, but I've missed that ability to have conversations about things like pregnancy, maternity leave, juggling family life and a career with somebody who's probably been through the same thing and has had to make similar decisions to those that I might have faced. Thanks, Lisa. And you're not alone in your experience because we do know that the lack of female role models and rigid systems and practices around work that don't support caring responsibilities are major barriers for women's participation in STEM. Lisa, I know that you participated in the Homeward Bound Cohort 4, the leadership program for women in STEM and the basis for the film The Leadership. And this was two years after Deakin's own Dr. Ellen Moon participated in the program in Cohort 2. Can you tell us a bit about the program and what you gained from being a participant? So the Homeward Bound program, it's a global leadership program for women in STEM aiming to really heighten the influence and impact of women uh, who are making decisions that shape our planet. And so it's a 10 year initiative aiming to bring a thousand women through the program over those 10 years. And it really has four focus areas, uh, leadership, strategy, visibility, and collaboration. And so, as you mentioned, I was in the fourth cohort in 2019 and it involved uh, 12 months of study. And then it culminated in a three week expedition to Antarctica. And that expedition was the world's largest all women Antarctic expedition in history. And so, it was incredible to be a part of that. Um, the study part of the program was probably the easy part for me. I, I love that anyway, but I was really nervous about spending three weeks locked up on a ship with 100 women, given that I'm often the only woman on a project team or in a meeting. Being surrounded by so many women for such a long time is something that I've never experienced. Um, but the environment on that ship was also something that I've never experienced. It was incredible in a good way. Um, it was brutally honest, really supportive, and the women wanted nothing but for each other to succeed. And it was the first time that I'd really spent a lot of time in that environment and 
it was the first time that I'd really been around people that were like me and who had experienced the same type of things in their study and work that I had. And so I really, it's difficult to explain the bond that I forged with these women, which was so unexpected. I would move mountains for them to help them achieve their full potential now. And I know that they would do absolutely the same for me. And so I guess out of that program, I gained two things. And the first was I've now got a hundred women in my network that I know have my back. And they're from a variety of STEM disciplines. There were engineers, but there were trauma surgeons, firefighters, physicists, conservation biologists, you name it. Um, and so we've all got these different STEM disciplines, but we've got this common understanding of what it's like to be a woman in STEM and the challenges that maybe we face. And so we still now, we're nearly three years after the completion of the program, but we still now offer unwavering support to each other as we're navigating our respective careers. And as I described earlier, that was something that I missed as a young junior engineer, and it's something that is really precious to me now. And then I guess the second thing that I've gained is a belief in myself that I didn't have prior to participating in the program. I think I suffered from imposter syndrome during the early years of my career. And so it's something that particularly impacts women is where women feel they're not good enough or if they're not careful, someone will come and find them out and tell the world that they're not good enough. And so the Homeward Bound program um, required me to do a lot of self-reflection and to understand myself better probably than I ever have. And so I came home really determined to choose courage over comfort became my mantra and not to let imposter syndrome hinder me in my career or in my leadership any longer. And so I'm making really conscious decisions now to step up and to push the boundaries in regards to um, the environmental programs that I'm leading at Geelong Port. And sometimes it can still be a really scary place to step up. But in the back of my mind, I've know, I know I've got this incredible support network of these 100 women and they've got my back. And so I am choosing courage over comfort now. Thanks, Lisa. That just sounds incredible. What an incredible program. And I mean, there's, there's so many elements to that. The strength and power of 100 women who have experienced the same kinds of challenges as, as you have. Not only that, I think as women when there is that collaboration and that that will to see each other succeed as much as ourselves there is so much power in that our hashtag for homeward bound is hashtag stronger together and i think that speaks volumes absolutely yeah i completely agree and the other thing that i picked up on is that imposter syndrome and i think what we don't see is that internal chatter that we all experience and particularly as women that we can be our own worst enemies but at the same time if we can just shed that we can be our own biggest advocates and again that stronger together biggest advocates for one another as well wonderful oh it's just a brilliant program thanks for sharing pleasure so Rosie, can you tell us a bit about your current study and what brought you to study a STEM discipline? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, I'm studying environmental engineering, um, which looks at a range of different aspects. 
focusing mainly on sustainability and pollution. So, so far through this degree, I've learned a lot about water engineering, waste management practices, um, as well as remediation practices. So STEM has always interested me since high school. I love taking the science classes and maths classes, um, but I would say what really sealed the deal for me for a STEM discipline was the fact that it was like clearer right and wrong answers compared to other degrees like arts and English. It was a bit more up to interpretation, which I found a little bit difficult. So I like the fact that there was solid, yes, this is correct, or like, no, that is absolutely wrong. Um, so yeah, I would say that. And what really attracted me to the environmental engineering side was the fact that it's such a great mix between science and mathematics. So it has the engineering side, which is all math, but then it has the science side of like, if I mix this chemical with this, like it will help that. Um, so yeah, I love the mix of like math and science. So that's what really attracted me to the environmental side of it. Yeah. Wonderful. And I love that you're attracted to it for that sort of black and white, right or wrong, because yeah. as someone who studied business and is now studying um, development and social change, I love the safety of living in the grey because it is a very safe <laughs> area. So it's very grey. So I really admire that about you, Rosie. It's very brave. So Rosie, can you tell us what your plans are once you have finished your degree? Do you have a specific area or, or industry you'd like to work in? My plans currently for after I finish the degree is looking at entering a graduate program just to have the extra training and support once I finish my undergrad. Um, however, that could potentially change as the year goes on because I am looking at further study at Deakin because I quite like it here, a little bit more safe at school. But as it, as you said, engineering, especially environmental field, is so broad. There's so many options to go into air, water, like there's so much to choose from. So I don't have a specific industry or area yet just because I find it all so interesting so it's a bit of a struggle for me right now trying to pick what I want to base my career on so it's something I really need to work on over this year is to decide what field to actually enter but it's so difficult when you find it all so interesting to pick one and stick to it without branching out everywhere so yeah. Thanks, Rosie. I think that's a great demonstration of the many amazing pathways STEM study can offer and take you on a career in so many different directions. So, Rosie, have you ever felt like you've faced challenges or barriers to your participation in STEM study during your school years? So, a lot like Lisa, I don't think I faced um, as much as the discrimination and like harassment as other females have faced. But I do remember one time in high school, when I was finishing up, I was talking to a careers advisor about what I would do after high school. And I said I was looking at taking an engineering degree. Uh, and I was told that I would not perform well in STEM if I even got into it, even though I did have the grades to enter. And I just thought, this person has no idea about me or my passion. So why should they decide what I want to do with the rest of my life? And it just made me a little bit more determined that like, you know, I can do it. I need to prove that I can do it because everyone's telling me that like, I can't do it. Um, and another thing I would say that I find a little bit challenging uh, is the fact that I often find myself the only female uh, in the class or one of very few females. So it, it is a little bit isolating sometimes. You don't have someone that you can connect to on the same level. Um, and yeah, as Lisa said, it's a little bit like you have to prove yourself to be there. Like there's that little bit of like pressure on you to be like yeah I do belong here like I need to prove that I belong here but I don't know again if that's like more internal and imposter syndrome coming out like I need to prove that I belong here because I'm the only female here I need to prove that females do belong so there's that added pressure but again as more females enter it's a little bit less more of like you need to do well 
but like you find it interesting so you can stay you belong yeah Yes, Rosie, and you did mention imposter syndrome there, but I think one thing that comes through in what you were just talking about is the entrenched gender bias around women in STEM that we still face, and that's one of the biggest barriers. And the way I see it is one of the biggest barriers for STEM study for women and girls is the gender bias because in those younger years through school we don't have the challenges with caring responsibilities and so on and so forth that were that are more the systemic barriers around processes etc but it is that gender bias and Lisa it sounds like we've got someone choosing courage over comfort from quite a young age it's just incredible to hear the words that Rosie's saying is just resonating with exactly the same type of challenges and internal monologue that I have um, in my own head. And we've probably got 25 years age gap um, between us, but it's the same for women in STEM wherever you go. Thank you. Thanks, Rosie, for sharing. So Lisa, Deacon has gone with the United Nations theme for International Women's Day, which is gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow. Lisa, you've made a wonderful contribution to sustainability in your work at Geelong Port and having recently won the Environmental Award category in the 2021 Daily Cargo News Australian Shipping and Maritime Industry Awards. I also know that you and Rosie are working together on a student research project. Can you tell us a bit about the project and how it came about? Absolutely. So back in 2019, Geelong Port released a new environment strategy with a number of long-term sustainability objectives. And one of those was no untreated stormwater to be discharged into Cario Bay. And as Rosie now knows all too well, stormwater treatment at a bulk cargo port is not straightforward. Um, the volumes of stormwater are generated after rainfall events, and so they can fluctuate a lot, but the stormwater can also contain different contaminants depending on the cargo that's being discharged from the vessels. And so that can range from fertiliser to soybean meal to cement clinker, and they all impact differently on water quality. So given the complex nature of that problem that we were trying to solve, we decided to reach out to Deakin to see if an engineering student was interested in studying that problem in depth and hopefully being able to put some technical feasible options on the table for us to continue investigating. And so we were so lucky to have Rosie working with us over the summer as the intern. She did an incredible job. Fantastic. So Rosie, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement in the project and how it has supported your study? So yeah, so my role is basically the research, uh, initial research. So collecting all the information for Geelong Port to read and then move on with the project when they were ready. So it was a lot of research around stormwater quality requirements for Victoria and then best management practices currently in use at other ports. Uh, and then just deciding which one would actually work for Geelong Port's setting. Um, so it obviously helped me with my research skills and develop that um, within a time frame and working on a project, but it also helped me with my communication skills a lot, I believe. I'm not extremely confident talking in front of a crowd or just presenting my work. Um, so the environment created through this project was really supportive and welcoming. So it really allowed me to work on my 
confidence in presenting to people. And I really appreciate the time Lisa took out of her day to help me with that. Um, but yeah, so I'm a lot more confident talking and presenting over Zoom at least at this stage. Um, but yeah, it also helped me with my project management skills as well. So at Deakin, uh, project deadlines are very hard and fast and you have to meet it by that deadline. Whereas the deadlines for this project were a bit more flexible, which is something I haven't really worked with yet. So it was an interesting learning curve to be like, oh, I'm not going to make this deadline. Like, what can I do? And then being like, no, that's okay. Like, we'll just change this, this and this around and then it'll work out. So it was a, a great learning experience for me, I believe, in developing my professional side. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, Rosie. And that's one thing that uh, is really important. And we, we call them soft skills, but I don't like to call them soft skills. I like to call them employability skills because they're certainly not soft. And some some of them are really difficult to, to gain experience in and it, it, it's just practice. So it sounds like you've got a really well-rounded experience there at Geelong Port, which is fabulous, fabulous and working with a wonderful role model in STEM, and, which is great. Thank you. So Lisa, what would your advice be to a woman who has just finished her STEM study and is about to embark on their career? So I guess to answer that, I need to uh, have a little backstory. So I guess in the world, there's some really significant problems happening at the moment. It might be plastic pollution, the global pandemic, climate change, you name it. And STEM disciplines are really important uh, to help develop the solutions to some of those big problems. And so many STEM disciplines, as we've discussed, are still overwhelmingly male-dominated environments. But to solve some of these problems, we need the best and brightest minds working on them. And that means we've got to tap into the 50% of the population that we're not currently tapping into in the STEM fields. And so that means we need more women working on these problems because we offer different perspectives, different ways of thinking about problems, that there might be some fabulous solutions sitting in a woman's mind that, you know, just need to be tapped into. So I think my advice is quite simple to women out there. If you love STEM, then we need you to stay working in STEM. If it's possible and it's not easy, but find yourself a mentor that's interested in helping and guiding you. And um, Rosie will be able to attest to this, I think. Take whatever work experience you can. I think that an experience that even tells you what you don't like doing is just as valuable as an experience that tells you what you do love. And so lastly, back to that nasty imposter syndrome, don't let that hinder your career. Society needs women's input in these STEM fields and in generating these solutions that we need. Don't second guess yourself and just get out there and help make the world a better place. Thanks, Lisa. Very, very relevant advice. So Rosie, many girls have often made up their mind by mid-primary school if they can see themselves in a STEM career, even if this has been subconsciously. What advice would you give to the school-aged girls about what STEM study and STEM qualified occupations can offer them? So I would say that STEM is a place for everyone and there is definitely a spot for you. It doesn't matter that you're female, that you're always going to be welcome. I would say to trust your capabilities and your interests. You know yourself better than anyone else, so don't let someone talk you out of it just because you are a female. I would also say that like STEM is a space where you can continually learn. There's always something new to find out or something more to study. 
So it's a very interesting space to be. So I wouldn't discount it just because you're a female. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Thanks, Rosie. Well, that's it for our questions today. Thank you so much for joining us. We've had a wonderful chat here today. We've heard about so many things that are so pertinent to gender equality and gender representation in STEM. We've heard about the importance of having a strong female role model. We've heard about caring responsibilities and that could be another podcast in its own and the impact of career breaks that they have on, on women's careers in STEM. We've heard about gender bias. We've heard about some solutions like mentoring and the importance to back yourself as well as a woman studying and working in STEM, which is great advice, not just for women in STEM, but for all women, but particularly when you find yourself as the only woman in the room or the only woman in the lecture theatre or the only woman in the office. So it is really important. And of course, networking, having that group of women who have got your back and want to see you succeed. So on behalf of diversity, equity and inclusion, at Deakin, I'd like to thank you both, Lisa and Rosie, for chatting to us today and talking about the immensely important work you both do. You're changing the world, have no doubt about it. Deakin has a strong commitment to increasing women's representation in STEM study and STEM qualified occupations, demonstrated by our participation in the SAGE Athena Swan program. And I, for one, firmly believe that achieving gender balance in STEM fields will really push progress in solving our globe's biggest challenges around the environment and secure a future for everybody. Gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow.